Well, it is good to be with you this week. Uh, we are closing out this series this week. I don't know what I'm going into next week, but I know I'm going to go into some new things over the next few weeks. So this week, uh, if you would, if you're into titles, if you'd write this down, Pressured Pace. And I've been talking about different aspects of pace and different things that we've dealt with and we deal with in life with pace. And uh, so if you are online with us, uh, joining us, if you would, whether you're here or there, uh, turn to Mark chapter 1, and we are going to start in verse 35. I'm going to read through the first uh, 30, 38, and, uh, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get started. Mark 1, chapter 35 through 38. This is Jesus uh, in, in, uh, headed into the garden. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon, which would Peter would be Peter, and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Verse 39, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it never returns void. God, it always accomplishes what it's sent out to do. So, Lord, I pray, God, that as your word has been sent out, God, that it would fall on our hearts, that, God, that it, would, that it would captivate our spirit, God, that it would awaken us to things that you want to speak to our lives. And, God, I thank you right now, God, that even as we listen to this, God, that you would, that you would set a pace for our lives, God, that you would reestablish movement in a specific direction and for a specific purpose, God. I thank you and I praise you, Jesus, that as we live this out, God, that we will be able to make you more famous today than we did yesterday. And if you believe that, can you say amen? As I was uh, thinking about this, uh, this story and, and thinking about Jesus and how he was out in an isolated pl- pr- place to pray, and all of a sudden he gets done praying, he maybe not even finished up praying, and here his disciples come chasing him. And, and I was thinking about how Jesus had to be so intentional with his life. Because how many of you know that we all have people putting demands on us, right? We have this pressure always from the moment that we get up, we've got phone, we've got, you know, text messages, we've got emails, we've got all of these things just bombarding us, right? Coming up against our time, right? You only have a, a limited amount of time per day to accomplish whatever it is that is that you need to accomplish, correct? And I was thinking about this and... I don't know if you've ever had uh, or seen, there's these four-wheelers that kids can get, and they have these governors built into them, and it has a remote control on it, and you can adjust this. You can put your kid on it and say, go for a drive, kid, and then you can adjust the speed of the four-wheeler. So they can be out, and they're like, you can speed it up, and they can go faster, and if you see they're going to be crazy, you can, kill, you can literally kill it with the button. So they're like, what's going on with a four-wheeler? And, and I think that I say that because I think a lot of us need some governors in our lives. We need a governor. And this is what Jesus did is Jesus went to the garden so that he could, be re- he could have a governor that established the level of speed that he would live out his life. And I think a lot of us, we have a full pedal-to-the-metal mentality. Come on, if you know me, I like that speed. I mean, speed limits, what? Five over is legal, right, in heaven? 10 over, it's kind of getting questionable. 15, it's like, hey, you're living on grace and mercy right now, right? (laughs) I live on grace and mercy. (laughs) On trips anyway. Around town, I do better. But, you know, point A to B, point B, I got to get there. Uh, But, you know, this is how we oftentimes live our lives, right? We live from point A to point B to point C to point Z. We got to get there as fast as we can. And 
And what I want us to see is, like, we're supposed to model Jesus, right? Right? That is our model. We're suppo- you, can, you can talk back to me. I love when, when you participate. Like, Jesus is our model, correct? And so we see here that Jesus is modeling a lifestyle that sets a specific pace for his disciples. His disciples are allowing all the other voices to dictate their pace. Notice that. Jesus comes out of the garden, out of this prayer time with, with, Jesus, with God. He's talking to his father, and he comes out, and he does not let what is coming up against him determine or dictate his pace. But how many of us fall prey to allowing the need to be savior dictate our pace? Right, because we live in a world, so here's the, here's the, 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 the challenge, that we are called to reach people in this world, Right? And sometimes we can feel like if we don't meet every need, we're letting Jesus down, right? And so here's the important part is that how do we live the pace that God has for us and to be able to reach the people that God is calling us to reach? You have to get in, the, you have to get in and do what Jesus did. Because it was in that time with Jesus, spending time with God, that created the governor of his life, right? And so many of us, we get up and we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I have to reach the world, You have to reach your world. And that is a major difference between the world and your world. The and your is two different things. Jesus saved and is doing everything he can to reach the world, but he does it through you reaching your world. Say your. See, your is important. Your is the thing that God has called you to that day, right? And, And so my challenge for all of us is really what is your governor? Like what governor do you have in your life? What sets the pace? Is it everybody else's demands? Is it, is it the fear? Does fear govern your life? Does anxiety govern your life? Does peace govern your life? Does joy govern your life? Does the voice of God govern your life? And most of us would say probably no. Mostly what governs our life is what's around and happening in our lives. And we allow those things to set and determine the pace of our lives. And we wonder why Christians are bailing and they're leaving. They're frustrated and they're fatigued. It's because we're trying to outrun the Savior. Jesus is back here saying, like, when are you going to get in line with me? Because, like, I'm here ready to reach this person, but you think you've got to reach them. And if you would just be with me, you could reach them. And so many of us are, are, are or we're, we're way back here, and God's like, hey, are you, see, he has to be the governor. He has to be the thing that when he moves, whatever pace and whatever speed he moves at, we move at. And I want you to know that you're, let me just say this, just to free you from this sermon. You're not going to get this today. You're going to have to learn to do this. It's called daily disciplines. You're going to have to learn to do this over the course of your life. This is something that I still don't have, but I'm learning to live in the governor, in the presence of God, and live at the pace of the Spirit, okay? And so what you have to do is you have to learn, but if you don't discipline yourselves, you will never, ever live at the pace of God. You will live at the frantic pace of the world, right? So here's the point that I want you to to take, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Living intentionally keeps you from living frantically, Look, you will continue to live frantically if you are not living intentional. Jesus lived intentional, and because he lived intentionally, he did not have to live frantically. Now, some of you should be able to take a deep breath, and that should free you. Because if you would just start living intentionally, like every morning I wake up and I take a breath of God. I get in the presence of Jesus, and I say, God, like, what is it that you have for me? 
because I can already feel, if you've ever go into prayer, you will notice that even going into prayer, you will feel anxious. You will feel hurried. And what you have to do is you have to tell yourself, slow down, stop, hear the voice of God. Slow down and do what God is asking you to do because my thing is get in the presence of God and get out. That is not being with God. I mean, how would you feel it if I said, hey, let's get, grab coffee, and we went and grabbed coffee, and as soon as we got there, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And we're having this conversation. I'm talking real fast. I'm like, hey, oh, and, and you're just keeping, I just keep looking at my watch. Probably not going to have another coffee time. Right? Because, because, but this is what we do with God. This is what we do with Jesus. We, we say, hey, God, I want to be with you, and, you, and we're, we're, we got him on a time clock. Like, if, if, if this was something else, we wouldn't even be looking at our watch because, but what you don't understand is what sets yourself in that point sets the rest of the day. Why did Jesus get up early in the morning? I know that we can argue and we can do all, but there is a lot of scripture that says he got up early. Why? Because after a certain time, people can get to you. Even him getting up early, people got to him. And so what I want you to understand is that if you don't set the time for your life, if you don't set a pace and allow God to govern you, you are never going to be able to live intentionally. You will always live frantically. You know those people who come in to, to, to work and they got, I mean, they're spilling stuff. They are, I mean, they're dragging their, their purse and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, what's going on? Oh, I, just, I didn't know I was going to. And it's like you're living frantically because you're not living intentionally. And, and Jesus wants us to live intentional because when we live intentional, we live in, we have way more of an impact on people. I mean, all of these people, these were people that he was discipling. And he's telling them that we are called to reach the world, but yet Jesus is leaving people. Like, imagine how that messes with their psyche. He's telling, we got to love the world, we got to reach the world. And Jesus is like, actually, we're leaving those people, we're going to some other people. Because that's the power of living intentionally. Living intentionally is for this season, this is who I'm called to reach, and this is who I'm going to reach. Right? See, whatever you make a priority, you authorize to set your pace. What are right now, what are you making a priority? Is it, is it the next promotion? Is it the next relationship? Is it the next whatever it may be in your life? Because that is ultimately right now setting the pace, and you are empowering it to set it. Because what you give, make a priority, you give time to, right? And so what you give time to, you allow to empower you, to influence you, to affect you. And so right now, what right now is setting the priority? How many of you as believers get up and the first thing you think about is, I need to spend time with Jesus? Now, I know that that's like a, wow, that's just a religious thing. No, that's a very important discipline to pick up. If you want to live intentional, if you want to live in this life of pursuing Jesus, it's going to have to be first him before them. And I know that we all know this. A lot of us know this, but really, are we applying this to our lives? Look, it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 15 minutes. It can be 10 minutes, but it needs to be intentional. It needs to be something that, that you are, it is quality time with God. And as you do that, you begin to allow his his influence in, and it sets the priority for your day. And, and I know that this is something that, this is the challenge is that we know it. We know what we should do. We know that we should apply this. But the challenge is, is really seeing the benefits of it. You may not see the benefits of allowing God to be the first and, and, the, and the primary thing in your life for six months. 
but do you believe it will eventually begin to set something different in your life? Like God doesn't come down and you get in your room and he waves a wand over you and he just does this magical spell over you and then all of a sudden you just start living intentionally. It's this thing called relationship and you validate the relationship by the times that you don't get anything. Like there are times, I, there are relationships that I have that when I get in, in a relationship with them, it doesn't mean that they are, I'm always getting the benefits from it. There are times that it's like, hey, it's just like, hey, how you doing? And there's this conversation and it's just, that's what the relationship is for that, that moment. But there are other moments where I have these relationships and I'm like, man, like that is why I cannot live without that relationship. That relationship feeds my soul. And this is, what, this is what Jesus was doing. He said before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated pray, to place to pray. And if you go into the Garden of Gethsemane where he's, being, he's giving up his life and he's surrendering it over, it says there in that chapter, and this is where Jesus went often. In other words, this was a place that, why do you think that they knew where to find him here? They knew how to find him here because that's where they knew he was always at. Where would your disciples find you in the morning? We won't go there this morning. That's a different, different sermon. But see, God's voice is what sets the pace that allows you to affect a culture. Like, it is his voice. It is Jesus. God heard, Jesus heard God's voice, and it allowed him to say, hey, this is where I'm going to affect culture. This is where I'm going to affect this world. How many of you know that the culture of this world needs to be affected? It needs to be influenced, Right? See, there will always be an opportunity to live beyond your pace. That you can write down. (laughs) There will always be an opportunity to outlive your pace. In fact, there's going to be people who will encourage it because they don't care if you break down and you burn out. They just need what they need from you. They need that email. They need that spreadsheet. They need that database. They need those things. They need you to take care of them. I mean, I don't think Jayla is ever saying, Mom, Dad, you okay? I mean, I know I've asked a lot from you, but are you okay? You doing all right? No, she wants what she wants when she wants it. And so do people. And if you don't allow the voice of God to set the pace for your life, you will begin to live for people and wonder, why am I so unhappy? Because you're living for people instead of Jesus. See, people will tell you how fast you should be moving. And if you don't allow Jesus to establish it, you begin to live off the pace of people instead of the Christ. Like People are always going to demand things from you and I. I mean, here, it says, later Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. I mean, how dramatic. Everyone? No, but you know Peter. He's dramatic. Everyone is looking for you. How many? It's two. But everyone is looking for you, right? But this is how people are. This is how things happen, right? They they dramatize the need for you, right? It's like, I've got to have, I've, I've got to have a meeting with you. I've got to sit down and have a conversation. Have you? Oh, my gosh. And it's like, look, what's important? You have to be careful with what the difference is between urgent and important. Right? Because this is what will happen. is Look, people and problems will influence you wherever he doesn't. That's what happened right here. Jesus was being influenced by, Christ, by God. Right? He's spending time with the Father. The Father is over-influencing him over people and problems. Because let's be honest, that's what came to him is people and problems. And I want you to know that people and problems are never going to leave your life. Sometimes it's people and problems, and sometimes it's people who are the problem. But we'll move on from there. But sometimes it's people, and sometimes it's problems, and sometimes it's both. 
but those are never going to leave this world. As long as you live in this world, you are called to minister to people and problems. But under the influence of Christ, it's much easier to influence people and problems. So here's the thing is urgent, urgent will always demand priority over the important. Urgency will always come demanding you to meet its needs. That's what happened. Disciples came in urgency saying, you've got to meet the needs of these people. But Jesus allowed important to influence him. The important thing was what God told him to do that day. Urgency, and and let me just say, there's a fine line, okay? This is the deal, okay? If you're driving down the road and there is a car burning and on fire, and you know you walk up like, oh, it's not my day. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. We have to be intentional on living with the difference between urgent and important. Urgent is the demands of people and the spirit of, of the enemy trying to take time away from you and, and the assignment and the purpose that God has for you. Like there's a difference between those. And you spending time with God will get clarity on urgency and important. Right? This is what he, dis- he told them in verse 38. But Jesus replied, right? He replied from what? from what he had just heard from God. It is not a coincidence that he was with God, he gets done, and he gets interrupted, and now these disciples are bombarding him with urgent things, and he says, that's great. But maybe he already ministered to those people 17 times and finally said, God said, it's time to move on, and you need to go minister to these other people. Because this is important. And this is what we'll do, right? We'll, we'll about, oh my gosh, that person I've been trying to reach for 15 years, they finally, it's like, look, This is where you have to be really, really important and hear the voice of God and know, look, this is what God is leading me to. He's calling me to reach this person. This is what he says. It's in red. We must go on to other towns as well. Look, we've been reaching this city, but it's time for us to move on to this city. We've been reaching this group of people. We've been trying to to do certain things with this this job or this career, with this family member, this, but it's time to move on. I'm not saying you don't give up, but he's saying, look, it's, it's time to move on to another thing. And he goes on, he says, and I'll preach to them too. That is why I came. And it's so important to allow those things to set the tone for, and the governor of your life, right? Like right now you're going to leave and there's going to be different things that happen. And, and we're going to be, I think that sometimes what we do is we fall prey to the, to the, the pressure to be needed. Because let's be honest, that's what a lot of us like. We like to be needed. Unless it's our kids. Okay? <laughs> That's just me. I'm talking Frank. So, right, like we like the fact to be needed. In fact, as pastors, that's the one thing that pastors really have to protect is the fact of wanting to be needed. I've learned that, look, to be needed is dangerous. To be needed is to find the place of the Savior and try to play his role. And that's a dangerous place to be. And it's for us, it's very, we have to be very intentional to say, look, I'm not the Savior, but I can represent the Savior. I can be a piece of the puzzle for Christ. And when you want to be the Savior of the world, you will run yourself ragged. That's why pastors burn out because they want to try to be the Savior. Look, I know I am limited in my ability to reach people, and I am okay with that. 100%. I am totally okay with that. There are only certain things that I can do as a human being limited in a world like this. And, and if I don't, if I, if I think that I'm Christ and I think that God has given me this amazing talent and this gift that anybody I touch, they just poof and they're better. This is what will burn you out. This is what will make you live at a pace that you cannot sustain. And you will live urgent 
trying to meet the needs and the demands of people instead of the important. And Jesus, he said, so he traveled. Look, sometimes you just got to move on and be okay with that. You got to be okay with God moving you in a different direction and moving and setting a different course for your life. Right? Point two is this, is that pressure enforces you meet demands at the cost of your destiny. Right? Notice that he said, I've got to get to somewhere. I've got to get to somewhere. But demands were trying to hold him up from where he was trying to get. Right? There are things that you are called to do as an individual. You have a destiny. You have a specific role in the kingdom as a believer. Right? And so in that, you have the enemy, one of his greatest tools to deceive and to strip you from your destiny is to distract you. Right? I mean, the movie Up was put in, the, the, the whole squirrel thing was put in, there, put in there because we all as humans can relate. Like, it's a dog doing it, but you as a human can relate. Squirrel, like what? Huh? Squirrel, like, I mean, it's so easy to get distracted by demands, right? But what if the demand doesn't line up with your destiny? Then you miss the whole destination. Like, Jesus is being told to go here by God, but he's told to stay here from people. So you can stay and meet the needs of people and miss the opportunity that's sitting in another city. That's sitting in another cubicle. Do you get what I'm saying? Let's make this practical. That's sitting at a table. And you have to be important because if you don't, I mean, it has to be important because if you don't make it important, you will miss your destiny for the sake of demands. Jesus said, look, I realize that these people need something, but what they need is not, they're not going to get it from me. They're going to get it from the people that I've been ministering to. There, they're going to share it. They're going to give it to them. They're going to receive it because it's going to be a different relationship. Like, understand, the things that you do, the things that you do are not necessarily, you're not leaving somebody if you've been influencing somebody else. Maybe God is wanting you to get out of the picture so that he can put something in somebody else so that they can disciple people, so they can pour into people, and they can be used and watch God use them. But we got to be the saver. We got to meet the demand. Oh, brother, sister, let me show you how to do this. And we got to meet the demands. We got to help people. But sometimes the best thing you can do is move on and move at the pace of heaven that's telling you to move at a different place, right? Look, demands, what they do is they can bring immediate gratification, right? Let's be honest. That's why a lot of times we fall prey to them. It's because they can, they can bring immediate gratification, but this is what they don't do. They bring long-term regret. Trying to meet the demands of people will bring long-term regret because you will wonder what you missed out on because you weren't listening to the voice of God. Like, well, I did that, but man, where should I have been? What should I have fulfilled? Because we can spend our lives on trying to meet the demands of a family member. And we, we get into our, our bed and we're lying there in our deathbed per se, and we're wondering about life, and we're looking back, and we're like, man, what did I do with my life? This is why it's so important, church, even in this season, where fear is like at the top, right now, go watch news, and in five seconds, you'll have fear, literally trying to set the pace of your life. You'll have anxiety, and worry, and doubt, and wonder, oh my gosh, is Jesus really, like, where is Jesus in all of this? And we wonder, has Jesus got any power anymore? Did he lose it? Like, did COVID take his power? But this is what happens, is that we, we get so caught up in, in all these other things, and they begin to establish the pace for our lives. And we begin to lose 
we begin to lose that, that voice of Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. And then we have regret. I would much rather miss out on a demand and be fulfilled long term. And this is the thing. We have to think eternally. And I think a lot of us as, as, as believers, it's so easy to live temporal. It's so, it's so easy to live in the now and what i got to get accomplished and what i got to do. But there's going to be a day where all of us stand before a heavenly father. We stand before a savior. And if that isn't sobering enough, I don't know what else could be. But I want to stand before him and know that, God, I lived at the pace that you asked me to live at. That all these demands tried to slow me down and all these things tried to, tried to push me away from you, God. But, God, I stayed the course. Just like Jim was talking about last week. There's a race that I'm in. And I think that it's so important for us to not allow anything else to set our pace other than him. Because at the end of the day, he's the one that pulled the trigger and said, let's start. And he's going to be the one standing at the finish line waiting for you, cheering you on. And if you're still three laps, still good to go, he's going to be wondering what happened. Well, I got, I got, I did, you did all the things that I didn't ask you to do. I mean, it'd be like me telling Jay, hey, Jay, I need you to go clean your room. And she comes back out and she built something. I'm not cheering her on. Like, good job building the Lego set, but you're, you should have cleaned your room. <laughs> right? That, that's, that's how a lot of us look. Like, we've been building things for God, and God's like, hey, like, you need to move on to the next thing. You've been sitting in your room staring at what you should be cleaning, building Lego sets. <laughs> I thought that was way funnier, but okay. All right. See, what, what a governor does is it guards, it guards you from the pressures of what life is demanding from you. Right, like if, if we're on the four-wheeler and God is setting the, the thing, like as long as we're on the four-wheeler, he's setting the pace. Like he's like, oh, you need to go faster. Jay would be full force, all the way, full speed. But thank God she's not controlling it, that God is. And, and, and you have to understand that if we, allow, if we allow God, he sets the governor for the speed of your life. And there are going to be days maybe where your, your life is way more hectic and it's way busier and it's way more demanding because that's the way that God wanted it. But there's also going to be days where you're fatigued and you're worn out because you were trying to live the life that you wanted to live. And then we blame God. God, I'm just so burned out and worn out and I'm worried and I'm concerned. Well, it's because you got yourself so emotionally unhealthy because of all the things of all these people. Because I'm going to know you can only handle so many meetings with people that are broken. Before you need to go get refreshed and let the Jesus, the king, fix you first. You'll be telling people crazy things. You'll be like, well, do, do you like three sit-ups? And <laughs> this will fix you. You know, you'll be doing crazy stuff. But this is why you need to be with Jesus. So that you can allow him to set the governor for your life. And then out of that, you can be refreshed and rejuvenated and sustained. Right? Jesus was pressured to meet timelines of others. But the garden was his governor. Every morning when I get up, I go to a specific chair, and I sit in that chair, and that is a place for me when I sit in that, it's like it speaks solitude and silence. This is my time with you, Jesus. Every single morning I do it. Some days are a little bit more intentional, and some days just like, dude, that stunk. That was terrible. Like, I got so distracted, jumping monkeys, squirrels were everywhere in my head. But you know what, I do it every morning because I want God to know, God, I want you to set the pace. There are certain days that I say, you know what, God, I'm turning you off. I'm going to go do my own thing. 
<gasps> Pastor, you said that. Yep. Guilty. Guilty is charged. But there are other days that I say, God, I just want you to be what starts my day and ends my day. And, and, and I know we want this. If I'm honest, I think every believer wants this, but you have to want this more than you want everything else. You have to get to the place, and I think this is what Jesus is trying to say. Look, if you want the pace of me, you have to do what I do. And you have to find your garden, because the governor for God, for Jesus, was the garden. You can go through all scripture, and you can see, and he was in an isolated place. Oftentimes, that isolated place was a garden. And whatever it is for you, if it is a literal garden, God bless you. If it is a stool, God bless you. If it is a room, if it is a bedroom, if it is the toilet, whatever you got to do to get some silence, amen? Just get it. See, demands and needs will never stop. They're never going to stop. So trying to meet them all is a sure way to end yourself. It is the best way to burn out. It is the best way to get frustrated and irritated and and dissatisfied with your spiritual journey. Because demands are never going to stop. Like you can fix one demand and you can be like, man, I did a good job. And guess what? Turn around and guess what? There's going to be another one waiting for you. And there will always be demands. And the better you are at fixing demands and, 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 and meeting them, the more people will come. Because people tell people. Like, oh, man, I was in there, and they said, I sat down with one coffee meeting, and he fixed me. Well, that may have been the assignment for that person, but for the next person, now I can't do that. Like, right, there's going to be some relationships that, like, you have to know that God has called you to, and, and that's what you, God's called you to. And so as you do these things, you've got to allow him to set those things. I was uh, watching a documentary on, on the history of our nation, and uh, anybody that knows Colonel Sanders fried chicken. Come on, somebody. So what happened was he had this cast iron skillet, and he worked at a gas station. He didn't even do chicken. He did that. He started doing this because he was just doing a secondary thing to be able to, to as these people come by, came by, to feed them. But the problem was is his fried chicken took 35 to 40 minutes to prep to make in the frying pan. And so what was the problem was is there was a line of people that he couldn't meet the demands. So what he did is he created out of a pressure cooker a fryer that was in a pressure cooker, right? And so what this did is it sped it up to where he could now make chicken in eight minutes. So from 40 minutes to eight minutes, do you hear what I said? Pressure. This is what we do is we want to be able to just pressurize things, and but pressurize will work for a season until it explodes, And I want you to understand is that just because it may be working and you may be under pressure doesn't mean you should be doing it. But a lot of times we justify, well, man, that only took this long. Now I'm down to this time or I've been able to meet these people. So now I can meet these people. And we begin to justify things because of the pressure and because it's it's working. And I want you to understand that may, although Colonel Sanders Sanders built a, a business from it, I don't think I would recommend it for your own personal life. I don't think that that you should build your life on pressure. I think you should let the pace of God set your journey. So as I close, I can't even see the clock. Uh, I want want to bring you to a story where I will close. And it's in, in Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, in verse In verse 38, it says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. Notice that he was always, always heading somewhere. Why? Because he was spending time with God. He knew his direction. 
Maybe, let me just say this. Maybe there's some of you, you don't even know your direction. It's because you haven't spent time with God. It's like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Maybe spend some time with God before you take the next step. Like, why wind up into another city or another situation, and you're just trying to, well, I'll just see if this one works. Why don't you spend some time with Jesus and let him speak to you? He is alive and living. He does speak. So he goes on and he says, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Now we know this story. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. How many of you know that's us? We're Marthas. Let's be honest. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Who stood up for Mary? In the midst of demand, in the midst of distraction, who stood up for Mary? You can say it. Jesus stood up for Mary. Mary did not have to stand up for herself. Did you hear what I said? So many of us think that we've got to stand up for ourselves and justify things, but if you will get in the presence of God, God will stand up for you. Martha is saying, like, she's got a plethora of lists. We've got we to bake the cakes. We've got to cut the biscuits. We've got to put the butter on the biscuits. We've got to stuff the, the cake. We've got to get the pies ready. We've got to do all this stuff. We got... Notice Jesus didn't even ask her to make a meal. What are we doing for Jesus? What are we doing for him that we think he's demanding from us? And we're working hard and we're trying to get all these things but God, like, so God can look at our resume and make sure that we get to heaven. But Jesus didn't. He rebuked Martha. He stood up for Mary. Here's the point. His presence protects you from the pressure to perform. His presence protects you from the pressure to perform. How many of you know that there is pressure on all of us to perform? But there's something about when you get into the presence of Jesus that all these demanding Marthas are telling you what you've got to do and what you... Jesus says, hey, Mary's chosen the most important thing, and I'm going to let her do that. See, when you're in the presence of Jesus, he will silence the demands. Look, you may go into his presence with demands and wait, but you can leave differently. And I don't have this whole thing figured out being in his presence, but all I know is I'm going to continue to be disciplined and do it. There are going to be days where I leave in freedom, and there are going to be days where I still feel weighted. But I'm going to do it consistently. And in that, God is going to set the pace of my life, and he's going to reestablish the things that he's called me to. The same thing for you. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Church, you need to hear this. You need to write that down. You need to underline that. 
there's only one thing worth being concerned about. COVID-19 is not it. Who gets presidency is not it. What our nation's going to look like in five more months is not it. Don't buy into the lie that you get your political man in office and the world changes. Because he's a broken person. There is one thing to be concerned about. One thing. Thank God that he didn't give us a list of ten. He gave us one thing to be concerned about. And it's being at the feet of him. It's being in the presence of Jesus. It's being intentional on being in relationship and allowing him to govern the pace of our lives. One thing to be concerned about where all the life is piling up around you and you don't have answers and you need answers and you don't know what the tomorrow is going to look like. There's one thing to be concerned about. And it's what God, what do you have for me right now in this moment, in this season, in this day, in this hour? Amen. You can stand. Look, the pressure of a Martha world will tell you what it needs from you at the expense of what you need from him. Martha will tell you what they need at the cost of you being with him. Don't allow the Martha world to strip you from the pace that God has for you. Because you can fix one problem there will be another one waiting. But without his presence, there's going to be a point where you can't resolve the problem. Jesus, we need you. If you would, just stretch your hands to heaven. And if you would just, if you would just proclaim out of your mouth, in whatever area, but Lord, we need you. Father, we need you in our hearts. We need you in our lives. God, I pray that as we come to an end, and we close out this series, God, that you would be the one thing that we are concerned about. Father, we love you. We desire to be led by you, God. Help us, God, become disciplined in wanting to be with you, God. We love you. We desire you, God. We need you. We're desperate for you, God. Let us be Mary's, God. Father, we rebuke the spirit of Martha, God, that would try to demand and try to pressure and try to try to fill out a list and to, to consume checklists. God, I thank you, God, that is your presence that is the most important thing. God, help us allow you to set the pace for our lives and our hearts. Look, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, whether you're online or here right now, and you need to know Jesus, and you want to know him, I want you to know that Jesus wants to know you more than you want to know him, that he gave his life so that you could meet him, so that you could encounter him, so that you could be freed from the sin and the bondage that may be in your life this morning. And if that's you this morning, if you just make this confession, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for those sins. So I ask you, Jesus, Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Father, awaken my heart to your destiny, to my purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you. We are so excited to do life with you.